Greetings and welcome to another special episode of Out the Box Talks. I am your host, Krill. We are back for another episode. This is episode 37. So I'm excited to continue the process, right? It's been an ongoing process. I've been focusing very, very consistently on trying to make sure that these episodes come out on a weekly basis. So I just want to thank all of the listeners out there that have been tuning in. Remember, you can visit our website, outtheboxmedia.com, and you will find all of the episodes from this year, the years before, and, you know, even before that. So um, big ups to all the listeners out there. Thank you for supporting and, and tuning in to Out The Box. Also, remember, we are on Out The Box TV on YouTube, so you can catch some of our previous, you know, video episodes that we've done. You know, occasionally we go live there as well. All right. So without further ado, we have another special guest here with me. Well, not in the actual studio, but, you know, I have him on the phone line today for our Out The Box Talk show. He actually is from Lamarck Park, Los Angeles. Uh, I got wind of this brother probably some years ago, hearing him on records with Blue. I think Exile might have been connected to the record as well. I'm not sure. But, you know, over the years, I keep seeing his name pop up. You know, first came out as Koss. Then he changed his name. And I got to say, this year is the year where I really started tapping into his music and it really drew my attention. So I feel like he's just worthy of an actual feature and a conversation on this platform because his music is very thought-provoking and um, heavy on the words, you know. And you, you can see that he puts a lot into his wordplay and, and to his rhymes, so I want to definitely welcome to our Out the Box Talks listening audience, brother, who actually put out an album this year, which I really want to talk about. And he also put out a number of singles this year, too. Like, I feel like he's been really consistent with that or just like dropping off tracks here and there. So, like I said, without further ado, I want to welcome to our Out the Box Talks listening audience directly from Lamert Park, Los Angeles, Brother Cassius King. Welcome, welcome. Yo, yo, yo. What it do? What's good? How you doing, brother? What's good with you, man? I'm, I'm honored to be on, man. Listen, man, it's a pleasure, man. I hope I didn't stay too long on the intro but i wanted to give you you know the recognition for what um i've been witnessing with your music as of late no i i definitely appreciate it it's hard to get a breath of fresh air in this game so make the intro as long as possible <laughs> longer the better <laughs> get them acquainted you know what i mean so, no i definitely appreciate it man and and there's there's a lot more obviously uh that i want to get into in this conversation with you because there's Stuff that I generally don't know. So what I like to do when I start these interviews, I like to give the artists a chance to just give a brief history of themselves as far as their journey in uh, creating within hip-hop, right? Like what inspired you to become a, a MC? I mean, I feel like it was really the universe brought me to where I, I needed to be because... You know, a lot of rappers can probably relate. When you first trying to be become serious about your craft, it's hard to get production. A lot of times you don't even know technically how to construct a song, so you kind of copy your favorite artist. Like I was just rapping over Jay-Z instrumentals and shit. I'm coming down, I'm going to a weed store on like Western, and I won't say the specific street in the hood, and I'm walking down the driveway and it's a dude coming towards me. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I hope this dude don't say anything to me. And um, he said, oh, how you doing, man? I'm like, I'm good. Uh, he like, what you about to get into? And I remember thinking, like, why is this nigga talking to me? I'm like, yeah, just trying to work on this music. He's like, oh, yeah, me too. Why don't you come out to Hawthorne, meet up with me and my partner? His name is Blue. My name is Black. Mm. And uh, wow. 
and that was how it happened. And then, and even I've always been kind of reclusive, so I was kind of hesitant to go meet up with him that evening. This is in 2003. I just got dumped by my high school girlfriend. I'm 19 years old. I'm contemplating lovesick suicide. You know what I mean? I'm just like going through it and i go out to hawthorne and i meet up with with uh black at the at the spot and i remember expecting blue to be like a dark-skinned dude kind of a hood dude light-skinned dude with a big ass afro and a bright red shirt comes up the up the stairs with a big ass smile on his face like what up bro i'm blue and that's that's how it really came together and and those two dudes uh donnell smokes aka jack spade aka black at the time had a crew called black and blue the bruise brothers mm. And um, they pretty much took me under their wing. They gave me my first original production. But, but trip on this, the first song I ever recorded was over a beat from a producer named T-Nasty. This was one of Blue's friends from Pedro. And Miguel sang the hook. No lie. Wow. True story. Miguel, Miguel sang the hook on my very first original song. Really? That's with the dope. hard drive crash, so I don't have the song anymore. So that's kind of how I got into the game. So I feel like the universe brought me to Blue brought me to Jack because I was the kind of dude, I really wasn't a hood dude, but I wasn't a, I wasn't a college dude either. And the, the, these two dudes really fit my personality perfectly. You know what I mean? Blue kind of has a similar background where he wasn't a thug, he wasn't a gangster, but he, he had some hard times too. Same thing with Jack. And I just feel like the universe and, and God brought me to these dudes and really put me where I needed to be. Wow. <clears throat> That's dope. You know, I remember when Below the Heavens came out and later on revisiting it and realizing that Miguel was actually a part of that too. I, I wanted to yeah. ask you, when you met Blue, was this prior to Below the Heavens or after it? I can't Man, even remember how old Blue prior. was when that, Okay, got it. Below the Heavens didn't even drop till 07. I met Blue in 03. I knew Blue before Blue knew himself artistically when he was still trying to figure out who he was and he was kind of like more more reminiscent of jay-z stylistically and it was around the dilla era that he just kind of had an epiphany about what he wanted to do style i remember there was this this like rando producer that wanted him to put do this verse and he was like yo i want it to be really abstract and poetic and you know so blue had to like dig deep to make it a little bit more out of the box than what he usually does and that's when he kind of found himself he was like oh shit this is what i want to do you know from this point and then he um and it was the funny story that we thought we had dilla beats so he laid soul provider the original version that i'm not sure people have ever heard pre-exile over what he thought was a dilla beat mm. then he played oh, it wow. for dilla and dilla was like yo this shit is fire but that ain't my beat <laughs> like, crazy, oh that's bro. that's crazy so, um, so that, yeah that i was wonder the, how that many stories like provider. that exist <laughs> Yeah, I got, yeah. <laughs> Dylan's like that. Is, right, right. Wow, that's dope. That's dope. You know, when I think about Blue, as you talk about him, he was one of the first interviews I've ever did on Out the Box TV because I have a channel, the Out the Box TV channel on YouTube. And I remember like how impactful Below the Heavens was to me. So it just kind of, you know, brings me back to that. So I'm glad that you you spoke about that. I, I want to also ask you now, I know originally, well, I don't know what your probably your first first name was, but I know when I first heard of you, you went by Koss. Then it changed to Cassius King. Tell me the reason for the name change and the significance of the money symbolism within the titles of the both names. Well, it's it's well, I really changed my name for to to avoid confusion with another rapper out of L.A. named Koz, C O Z Z. He rose with J Cole, yes. And um, so yeah. around that time, but it's funny, I did not change my. That was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. But it was really Cassius King was always my alias. It was a name that Blue gave me actually, and um, he was just like, "Yo, bro, I got an ill alias for you, Cassius King." But what's funny is originally um, Mainframe from uh, the Johnson & Johnson project was Cassius King. Mm. 
Mm. And um, shock the mainframe. He was benevolent enough to be like, okay, bro, I was rocking with that alias, but I'm gonna let you run with it since you're really passionate about using it. So I kind of alternated between the two. Like even to this day, all of my closest homies call me Cost. Okay. You know, and it's only artistically that I'm referred to as Cash Up. Some people that don't know me like that call me Cash Up, and I mean it's interchangeable, whatever you want to call me. But like my closest friends and associates call me Cost. So, um, but when Kaz hit the scene, it was kind of like, I'd already wanted to kind of make that transition to Cassius King. It was, it was, it kind of, it was also influenced by K-Doc to Kendrick Lamar. Cause when K-Doc switched over to Kendrick Lamar, I was like, yeah, I want to do the same thing. I, mm. It kind of allows you to reinvigorate yourself and reinvent yourself artistically. It's kind of like, you know, just kind of evolving to something new. And, um, so, but the Kaz thing for just to avoid confusion and all that, um, that that's what finally pushed me to change the name. So, but I was always cash us just like now I'm always cost, you know, it's, it's one and the same. <clears throat> got it. Got it. Now, just to reiterate the, like there's the dollar signs in the cost and then there's the cash part, right? Oh, my bad. I'm yeah. Kidding. No, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I just wanted to, you know, kind of ask you that again. How, how did that symbolism come up with the cash symbolism? Oh, well, it, it's funny coming up. I, um, because back in like the late 90s, um, early 2000s, there was a big online hip hop community where they had what they call tech seeds, where you would post verses that people would just read. And then sometimes you do audio battles. It was websites like rapmusic.com, shinelight.com, freestyling.com. And on those platforms, before I met Blue and Jack is where I really kind of honed my craft as a rapper. I didn't know technically how to make songs, but I learned about multisyllables and rhyme schemes and flows and all of that. And my alias was Holocaust. Um, and you know, just for the sake of marketing my brand and I didn't want to offend Jewish people and you know, all that kind of thing. I dropped the hollow and I changed the F to a dollar sign. And for me, the dollar sign always represented change, mm. evolution. You know, it didn't, it really, really didn't have anything to do with materialism or with, with, you know, worldly possessions. So it became an issue, though, having the two dollar signs because people would try to search my name out in the search engine and it wouldn't pop up oh. because of the two dollar sign. Right. So it, it was literally hindering the brand from people being able to access it. Plus, people would see the two dollar signs. Oh, he wanted them niggas. I ain't fucking with that. That, you know, he on them rims and then hoes and clothes <laughs> type shit. They would misinterpret what my brand was. And then they would hear the music and be like, I didn't think your shit was going to sound anything like that from your name. And I'm like, I know. That's so the reason I why I asked you. Signs, I was happy to see him go like good riddance to them dollar signs. <laughs> got it. Got it. But, uh, That's yeah. the reason why I asked you. Cause I feel like your music is definitely not going in that direction. So I felt like maybe he has a really reasonable answer as to why. So that definitely cleared it up. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Nah. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, the, the name costs always represented like, you know, the, the dues paid, the, 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 the strides made, the evolution, you know, like you take a dollar, you break it, you, you, you know, the dollar, you, if you break it, you make change. And that change is literal to me, like evolution. So, yeah. Got it. Got it. So in preparation for interviewing you, I wanted to take a keen observation of your latest project, Weightless. So from this point on, I'll probably be talking to you a lot about that project. Uh, and I got to say, one of the things that caught my attention on the project is the cover art. There's a woman floating in the air with spirals around her, but the scene is dis is depicted sideways and she's in between sort of the sky and the earth. Why'd you choose yeah. to put a woman on the cover in that depiction as opposed to a man? I... I, I, I for, I really have to give the credit to that whole concept to my artist, Eden, Eden Redpath. Um, she's a 22-year-old artistic phenom. And for me, weightless, the, the whole concept represents letting go of all things that bog you down. It's kind of like something I got through doing meditation, like being in the moment and letting the art, you know, like sometimes when you're listening to a song that really moves you, you almost feel like nothing else matters within that three to four to five minutes or however long that song lasts. Mm -hmm. But also because my I grew up in a single mother household. So for me, like if you, if you ever, you know, I don't know why you would be, but if you were ever in my private home, in my room, you, I got two, two black like portraits above my bed. Mm. And then I've got my Erica Badu on the wall. 
And besides Tupac and Biggie, almost everything in my room has female representation because mm. I feel like there's a lot of misogyny in hip hop. Um, it's like we still haven't worked out the homophobia. We still haven't worked out the misogyny. It's still prevalent. So I felt like it was a very important to have a woman of color and um, to just, you know, to and I, plus I don't like typically I don't like to put my face on the cover. I like to have more of a out the box abstract kind of kind of cover. So but really, that was the brainchild of Eden Redpath, man. Uh, Cosmic Eden at Cosmic Eden on um, Instagram. She's incredible, man. Dope. You know, she's doing all my art. She did my uh, my album cover. I have an album coming out um, around November. Um, called the weight of win which is the continuation of weightless the whole concept so um she did that cover too and i won't spoil that cover but it, it, it's gonna make one ill vinyl i'll just say that nice <laughs> nice nice thank you for 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 breaking that down and i appreciate the cover even more now that you break it down like that on the opening track entitled weightless pretty much the self-titled track you start off by saying just alleviate the weight and you'll be straight. Relieve the pressure of today. Release the grip of regret. Loosen the binds of the stress and feel unburdened. And then you go on to add on to that idea. Why'd you choose to start off the album with that message? So I, I, for me personally, you know, each artist has, his, has their own mission and, and and where they want the music to take them. But for me, I if, if I can't ever make a million dollars or become become famous, I want my music to serve as as something that can help a person through whatever they're going through. And it doesn't have to be something negative. It could be happy times, you know, graduation, you know, celebrating the marriage, celebrating the birth of a child. I want a person to turn on my music and 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 reflect upon it. 10 years from now, like, yeah, that helped me through some rough shit, mm. you know, cause I struggle with anxiety and depression and insecurities and, and self-esteem and all the things that all human beings struggle with, you know, to some extent. So I just wanted mm. to open it cause that's the concept of the record. The whole record is about let go of, of, of the past, let go of worrying about the future and just try to exist in this moment. I always say that when, during my live shows to the crowd, like when you, when I'm on stage, for the time that I'm on stage, you are okay. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen once I get off this stage and once you, once this set ends, but when, when you with me in this, in this little moment in time, let it go. Just be all right for this time, you know? So that's what I really want. I want to convey, you know, because that's what I got from people like Andre 3000 and, and Tupac and Kendrick and blue. They allowed me within the time frames that I was bumping their music to let go of my stress and my depression and just feel weightless. You know what I mean? That's very inspirational. Thanks for, for saying that. Now, I'll, just to kind of expound on this idea of weightless, weightlessness, do you see a correlation, you know, because I had to think about this and, and also in relation to some other things you said on this track. Uh, I wanted to ask you, do you see a correlation or a relationship between this feeling of weightlessness and the understanding of righteousness? Like, in other words, uh, does it put you in alignment? Like that feeling of weightlessness, does it put you in alignment or put someone in alignment to do the right thing? Yeah, because in order to, to feel unburdened, in order to feel, usually what, in a lot of cases, what bogs you down is what's not right, which you know, in your, even if you're lying to yourself. And, you know, especially because I came up in the hood and a lot of, that's a great question too, honestly, I got to mm -hmm. say, because, you know, coming up in the hood, a lot of times I wonder if all the shit I did back in the day, because I'm what I, I would label myself. I was back in the day and I'm not a proud of this. I was a gang bang cheerleader. I was a nigga that wasn't really in the gang, but I was standing on the sideline side like, go, 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 kill them niggas, you know, hanging out with the homies and just one foot in, one foot out. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's even worse than just being all in. So a lot of times in present day, I wonder, can I, can I? clean my slate is it is what i'm doing now good enough to make up for what i did then so you know the concept of weightless is you can't really let it all go until you work it all out you know mm -hmm. what i mean so yeah i do think that the two concepts are closely related because um you got to get right with yourself before you can you know alleviate the burden you know <clears throat> dope dope thank you for that let me go to my next question i definitely got more from this album so you'll you'll is it is it an album or is it a project is it an ep what are you calling it i just want to be clear 
it's it's a um it's a project I do semi annual. I tried to, we missed a couple years, but I did get it um twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen and then I think the one before that was twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. I try every year if possible to put out uh, a Valentine's Day project. So the first one was She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not. The second one was I Used to Lust Her. Okay. Um, oh, oh, yeah. And then I got 2017, too. The third one was The Birds and the Bees. The fourth one was um, It's Not You, It's Me. And then this last one was Weightless. But Weightless also serves as a prequel to my full-length album, also produced by the same producer, Clouded Slum, that's dropping in um, around October, let's say between October and December, oh, nice. um, entitled The Weight of Wind, a.k.a. The Wow. So um, Weightless wow. is a project that also serves as a prequel to the album. That's great to hear. I'm looking forward to that. A- another thing I noticed about this Weightless project is that every track like, has two exclamation marks at the end of each title. Tell me the reasoning behind that. Just to emphasize that, you know, like, like, how everything in life it can be felt on a visceral level, especially tracks like Friends, Ops, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, like where I come from, your friends and your ops can really define <laughs> the trajectory of your life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like when you hear these rappers talking about the ops, the ops, the ops, the ones that's really doing it, they can know sometimes your ops have more of an impact on your life than your actual friends do, you know? Because sometimes the op up the street is, is a former friend you know, or somebody that you might consider an enemy, but you give them a pass because you know him and, you know, shit, it gets political. So, yeah, it's just to put that emphasis because life will, will put that emphasis on you. You know what I mean? Like everything is accentuated in life. So I wanted to accentuate the songs with the exclamation marks to let people know it's real. Like, you know, like, you know, this shit is real. It's real to me, especially because for me, the song that has the most, you know, resonance with my life is uh, Friends mm. on the record. So, yeah. I'm glad you brought up that track, Friends, because I, I had a question to ask you about that. But let me first start by saying I want to acknowledge the approach that you took with the song because it seems like you're, when, like, I'll say this, when you hear a lot of songs about friends, like rap songs or even other types of songs, it's usually the artist's critiquing the friends for the things they've done wrong. But on this particular song, you're more like critiquing yourself. There's moments. I feel like there's lots of moments where you're like putting it back on yourself. And I thought that was pretty admirable that you would take that step, right? What what would you say, just thinking about friendship, what would you say are some guides or principles that, friends should always try to follow so that the relationship stays in good standing? I think a lot of people, you know, the reason why I was critiquing myself is a lot, the issue a lot of my friends have with me is that I'm very reclusive and a lot of times I'm hard to get in contact with. So I would say, you know, just understanding that it's not necessarily about how often you talk to a person, you know, that defines a friend. A lot of people equate like time spent with quality of friendship Really, it's about how much you can count on that person when the shit really hits the fan. Mm. So I think it's really about, you know, it's really comes down to loyalty and um, and and communication doesn't necessarily mean you need to talk every day. It just means if that's if it if, if really goes down, that person is there for you, you know, and um, and willing to, to hold you to account when it's appropriate, but not to the extent that they're judgmental, you know, just to the extent that they tell you the truth and they keep it real and raw because that's what a real friend does, but also supports you. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's the most important thing because I've lost friendships recently where I realized, damn, like, you know, I had a drug overdose a couple years ago and that's when I really saw who my real friends were. So there was a couple people who was just like, I ain't got time to deal with this. I don't really want to talk. I'm going through my own shit. I'm like, bro, I just got out er my g like mm. i'm just trying to holler at you i don't, I don't want nothing from you mm-hmm. i'm just trying to just vent you know so i you know so that's that's what's important to me but you know not to be too too judgy because everybody's got different ideas and approaches to how they deal with relationships it's a very complicated issue so you know indeed indeed on the track entitled charge you have a line where you say my desire ain't the tower it's the sky where the power is divine and aligned 
but the brightest star power is in your mind. I thought that was really profound, but uh, if you could kind of just expound, like what did you want to convey to the listener in that last line where you say the brightest star power is in your mind? That, you know, in this day and age of IG followers and the TikTok and the, and the Facebook and all of that, that everybody becomes consumed with likes. And, you know, I, I really feel like the, the, the person that you really want to have notoriety or, or the person who you really want to have that approval from is yourself, man. Because a lot of times the, that's who we're really trying to, 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 to I, I don't know, we seek out the, 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 uh, the, the notoriety from fandom when really a lot of times what, what, what really makes you shine is how you feel about yourself. Self-esteem is really what's going to propel you in life and, and the ability to just have a reassurance in, in who you are. Cause I like anytime the homies hit me and they talking about relationships issues, I always tell them, do you love yourself? Cause if you love yourself, then you can love her or him or whoever you choose to, you know, seek out for a relationship so yeah the brightest star powers in your mind i don't seek the tower i seek the sky i seek the the perpetual kind of gratification not mm. that gratification you get from making it to the top of the game and you know i see so many rappers talking about their clothes and they hoes, and i always wonder what's that what's, the, what's that brother missing because if you was really right with yourself that wouldn't even be the most important thing to you because mm-hmm. you can't take none of that with you bro it's really about the relationship you have you have with your family your friends your lovers all that kind of shit so it's, you know, it's all, it's all mental. It's not, it's not physical. It's not something that can be obtained. I feel like it's At such least a, not. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying, I feel like it's such a clever line because I saw the connection between the sky, the star and the mind. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's why I said, yo, let me ask you about it because your, your lyrics are very poetic and, and you, you go places you use like metaphors and certain analogies that if you're really, if, if the person is really listening, they really get the bigger picture of what you're saying. So yeah, I just wanted to, you know, big you up on some of these clever lines that you put together. No, I appreciate you taking the time to really delve into the lyricism too, because I mean, these days, it, and I'm not knocking it because music evolves and you know, it, it, it moves to different phases but these days it's more about the feel it's more about the it's more about yeah. the drip and the swag and all of that and that's what's up you know everybody has this this everybody can't be on that socially conscious you know you you need different artists to do different things but um i just feel like a lot of times lyricism kind of gets looked over you know but i came up around people like blue and, and, right. and Razcaz and you know mm. those kind of folks so i mean for me you know and donnell smokes and, and you know just just so I was always trying to, to stay on that level. I mean, when your big homie is blue, you know what I mean? You yeah. kind of, you focus more on the lyrical content. And blue was the one when I was struggling to find myself artistically and I was still trying to do some street shit. I was, you know, I, I didn't know blue was like, yo, bro, you almost there, but you just need to go to the left a little bit. Mm. I never forget him telling me that he was like, you just need to step outside that box. Like you got it. Just step out that box you, you, you that box is too comfortable you need to step outside of it and, and that, i swear in that moment i was like i, I see what he's saying what did and he I mean by the box started, he just meant like stop trying to rap so normal stop trying to like mm. you don't need i remember there was another rapper who told me your your lines are too complex simplify them i remember some one time i was like my shit bang like gang affiliation he was like why don't you just say your shit bang like a crip of blood I was like, and then it was Blue who was like, "No, nah, fuck that. You need to, you need to complicate your shit. If mm. anything, it's, it, it's, don't simplify it, complicate it. You know what I mean? So yeah, just I like, like that. You know, I, and I feel like artists like Absol. I think the illest nigga was stepping outside the box for me yeah. personally is Lupe. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just dropped that dinosaurs track in my head, and that was right after I was bumping Roots of Blue. Then dinosaurs came like a week later, so I'm going right. back and forth between Roots of Blue and dinosaurs. Like, man, <laughs> I feel it's like yeah. it's the difference between the artist that experiences longevity in the game and and the artist that's just kind of here for the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the current time. 
So I, I'm, I, I can say I, I'm grateful that you took that advice and you went that direction. Obviously, not everybody is going to gravitate to it at this point, but I feel like over yeah, the years, yeah. people will appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, because for me, it, it this is something that I'm I'm driven innately to do. So even if I'm like, got to work, a, get a part-time job, whatever I got to do, I'm going to always be rapping because I feel like I, I, something's calling me spiritually to to. Like I said, I remember listening to a Kendrick interview and he was like, I don't really like think of topics. I just like wherever the pin goes when the beat drops is kind of where I, t- and I was like, that's exactly how I write. Mm. I never sit down and go, you know what? I'm going to write this song called Friends. Well, Friends is a bad example because the damn sample was like Friends. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> on a, like Charge, for example, when that when I first got that beat from Clouded, I didn't think this is what I'm going to rap about. I just kind of let the pen take. Now, that doesn't mean I write aimlessly without any concerned for what the topic is but i kind of let my spirit guide me on what the topic is going to be you know what i mean so dope dope one of the things i noticed uniquely about you as an mc is that you have moments where your voice will come across like extra commanding you know that feeling you get when the beat goes off and then all you hear is the acapella of the mc but the vocals kind of like further grasp your attention at that point I feel like you do that without having to remove the beat. Like your voice and presence will just turn up. And I can't like, I'm sorry, I won't, I, I can't like pinpoint like the tracks that you do it on. I feel like what you're saying you did it on as well as Triggered. Um, I hear it. Um, and I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but uh, I'm curious to know um, like what inspires that, inspires you to create that kind of presence on the tracks. Oh, well, you know, uh, my, my my biggest influence, one of my, the guy that really inspired me to be vulnerable on the track, Tupac Shakur. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And Tupac would have these moments where he would just like, my lyrics bang like a crippled blood. Nigga, what? It ain't nothing like a party when you thug. And now I was a young nigga with heart. Ain't had shit to lose. Pulling my pistol on these fools. You know the rules. So you know what I mean? Like he would, he would go into that mode, mm. you know, so... It's, it, honestly, it's something that you don't even notice you're doing when you're rapping. You know, you'll just get into that. You know, it'll it'll grab you and, and, and you know, you fluctuate in your cadence. So I can't say I always consciously do it. But, yeah, Tupac really inspired me to, um, you know, at times, at the right appropriate moment, you got to know when to calm it down. But then you got to know when to kind of rev it up. And then in contemporary times, Kendrick Lamar, you know what I mean? I like the way he fluctuates. Like on one track, he'd just be he'll be silent. And then on another track, he'll be more hyped. And, you know, and it always seems appropriate for that mood. I don't, I don't fluctuate my cadence as much for the most part on most tracks. I kind of have a set delivery, but there are times when I, you know, it just comes out of me and I kind of take it, take it somewhere else. Mm. I'm so glad you understood where I was going with that. Cause I'm like, I wonder if he knows what I'm talking about, you know, but I'm, I'm glad you were able to break that down. <laughs> what one of, uh, on one of the new tracks, I just actually referenced it, Triggered, Beast of No Nation. You say at the end of the song, a beast with no nation is, a, is the black American. Can you break down what the concept of a beast with no nation is and how it relates to the black American? I always juxtapose the black American spirit experience with the black British experience. I think it's very fascinating. Um, like, um... I was listening to one of my favorite Brit- British drill rapper. His name is Mizzo Mac, M-I-Z-O-M-A-C from the Harlem Spartans. He was like, um, sometimes they think are terrorists and they mix black with African-American. You know, so he's saying like, look, man, I'm black. I ain't African-American, though, because out there they have a nationality, they have a race and they have an ethnicity in America. Unless you did a 23andMe or, you know, you really got connects to your family roots. You might be Haitian. You might be from the Caribbean area. Most of us, we have a nationality and we have a race. We're black Americans. We don't know what the hell our ethnicity is. You know, so for me, I say the beast with no nation is the black American because this is a unique experience. Mm-hmm. I got into an argument with a, a black British person. And shout out, shout out to all my blacks worldwide. We not, I'm not trying to create some kind of, you know, you know, Get, you know, gap between us or, you know, pit us against each other. But I remember she 
it was a uh, black British woman. She was like, y'all, man, you Americans, you don't know where you come from. You don't know what specific part of Africa you're from. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that's what makes us unique. I'm not ashamed of that. We descended from slaves. We were robbed of a lot of our identity. Mm-hmm. It's like kidnapped and you didn't know who your biological family was. Like, right. I don't feel no shame. I, I, you know, if anything, that that makes that the black American experience that more poignant and potent. So, yeah, we literally we have we know we're black. And we know we're American, but we don't necessarily know, am I from Nigeria? Am I from Tanzania? Am I from, you know, West Africa, South Africa? You know, a lot of us don't know that. Like Nipsey was lucky enough to know exactly exactly where he came from, where his lineage traced back to, you know, um, somebody like Barack Obama, you know, knows exactly where he, but somebody like me, I'd have to go do some kind of DNA test just to figure out exactly what. So that's what that line referenced. Got it. Got it. And, and it makes so much sense because when I, when I think about it, just, just even my own experience, I, I don't really know anything beyond my grandfather, you know, which is crazy when you really think about it. Like other, other nationalities, other races, not saying every one of them, but they, they have, they can trace that, you know, so I appreciate you mm-hmm. kind of highlighting that and explaining that in that song for that song. And even and even if you try to trace it, you might get like, oh, yeah, you got a little bit of this. And, and then you're right. like, but where am I from specifically? You still probably won't know. You know, right. you'll have more of an idea of what part of Africa you might originate from. But then they'll be like, yeah, you got some Italian in you. You got some Irish. And you're like, damn, like mm-hmm. they really was raping the hell out of us, weren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, like. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, but it's not, it's something I, I embrace, you know, I remember, and then it's funny because later on, I realized a lot of the shit we do here, they doing in London. Like, so I was like, I knew it was the same shit. They gang banging <laughs> out there and doing the same shit, you know? So it's not, yeah. we have a lot more in common than we do, you know, got not it. in common. Got it. Got it. So I want to talk about your track, uh, what you saying, which I feel like you recently put out not too long ago. You you start off by saying on the track, when you get a platform to speak, you got to ask yourself, what the F are you saying to folks? Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, it's a consciousness that a number of our commercially successful like hip-hop artists don't implore. And even for some, mm-hmm. even in the underground, right? And it, it kind of speaks to this idea of like, when you know better, you do better. I feel like if, if, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like if it reaches your consciousness, then there's more of a likelihood you'll act on it responsibly. What do you think gets in the way of, you know, an artist or someone who has a platform from speaking, you know, and, and asking themselves that question, what am I saying to folks? You, you know, I, you know, I'm an Aries, so by nature we tend to be very know-it-all-ish. But this is one thing that baffles me. I often lay awake at night, like just in the privacy of my own home, thinking about it. Like, what? Why are these brothers so afraid? Mm-hmm. But you know, coming up, what I see most of the times is you got a bunch of betas who think they're alphas. You know, and it, and, and a lot of people just fall prey to groupthink and conformity is so alluring and it's so easy, like. I know this sounds cliche, but I was taught it's so much easier to do the wrong thing than the right thing. Mm. And it's true. It's easy to just, just, I've had friends who was like, man, you dope as fuck, man, but you need to rap gangster. I mean, I've had some of my closest friends urge me to be a, a regressive version of myself because they feel like that would allow me to be more accepted by other people who embrace the concept of being regressive versions of themselves. You know what I mean? So I really don't have an answer for why they do it. Besides, there's just a lot of um, a lot of um, allure that comes with groupthink and comes with just like, damn, this is what they're doing. So this is what I need to do. Mm. You know what I mean? But I, I, I'm really put put back by this moment in hip hop where it's like, dude, it, it, you could count on one hand how many artists in a commercial market have something to say. You know, and two of those fingers would go to Kendrick Lamar, and the third one would go to, to Chance the Rapper. And then, I mean, do you consider Lupe 
mainstream because I, you know, he's like in between underground and mainstream to me, so I wouldn't even have him there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then maybe a couple of other artists. I mean, to, no diss to none of the trappers, man, and none of the gangsters. You got to tell your story, but I mean, you know, coming up, I mean, I would listen to Scarface. I would listen to like Pimp, like Pimp C would have them moments where he would be like, you know. They killed the homie Bobo. I mean, the homie Bobo baby died in the house fire. You know, um, why you take my son homeboy away and let these killers live? Like he would have moments where he would just be like, I don't want to rap about the pimp shit. Yeah. I don't want to rap about, you know, the, the wood grain. I want to I want to rap about my pain. Mm. And I just wonder why rappers these days can't can't take a minute. Like, that's why I like um, Juice World a lot. You know what I mean? Um, rest mm -hmm. in peace, because mm -hmm. that lean with it, rock with it song, I bump that all the time because I can feel the emotion. I can feel the the real vulnerability in that in that joint. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I wish these artists, man, y'all, they work hard. They have a right to brag about what they've achieved. I don't, I don't knock them for that. Mm -hmm. And they have a right to talk that street shit. If you was really out there in the field, yeah, talk your shit, my G. Like, I'm never would try to take that from you. But damn, it's okay every once in a while to step outside of that Superman persona yeah. and, and say something. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. You're not going to lose your, 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 you know, your image if you do that. That's what's going to, it, it harkens back to what you said earlier about longevity. That's what people going to carry with them, man. Yeah. You know, your little single about the, the hoes and the clothes and, and the drugs, that, that, that's going to come and go. But when you touch people on that visceral level, yes. they, they carry that with them through the years, you know? Yes, yes, definitely. Well said. I guess I'll go back to Weightless. The song that really, really stands out to me on this album, I got to say, it's actually the first song that, made, that led me to the album was The Gravity. And on the song, okay. you say, the gravity be holding a brother down to give it up when repping for your town. The gravity is there to keep the balance. Without the gravity, we just float around, around, and round. I'm trying to do my best rendition of your, your line. <laughs> yeah, no, you got it. You got it. <laughs> um, I get a sense that you are acknowledging that gravity is actually a good thing because it keeps you grounded. But uh, can you expound on what you were trying to convey in the song as it relates to your observation of gravity? Like, it was just a metaphor for, like, you know, the, the, the holding on to my sanity, you mm. know, and, and, that, and a little bit of that humility and that, that, that self-discipline, like, you know, that comes, like, when you meditate, when you, when you try to let go of all external distractions and focus on, the, on, that, on that, being in that moment. Well, the gravity, you know, keep me from wilding out, keep me, you know, because, you know, I came up around some, some, some extra out, some extra out people you know who who didn't have no like i've seen like like man unleashed where it's just like damn like this nigga will do anything he don't care is nothing that centers him like it doesn't always have to be religion it doesn't have it, it can be whatever it is that helps you to say it could be your kids mm -hmm. it could be your ambition it could be it could be your your sense of morality it could be your religion it could be whatever it is but all of us need some form of that gravity to keep us centered and so you know we might go hard but at some point the light turns red and we go okay i need to stop mm. i need to bring myself back into focus because it's hard being it's i always say like for all my homies that's gangbanging, I say, I know you, you, you a crip, you a blood, you a GD, you a that. No disrespect to that. I, I, I respect that. I understand that that is, that is a, almost a culture, but it's hard enough just being black in America. Mm. You know? yes. Damn, that's the yeah. only label you really need is a black man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, that's what gravity represented for me. Just a, a sense of discipline almost, you know, I, I gotta say, I, I like how you started with weightless. And then you ended with gravity, like it's two ends of the spectrum, but it's both looking mm -hmm. at them in a positive way. Was that something intentional? Yeah, yeah. You know, I piece my shit together meticulously, so it nice. all is. I'm, and I appreciate that you you caught the vision because it, it, it gravity didn't have those interconnecting like um, spoken word pieces and shit like I usually do to really kind of like spell out the concept. So I was hoping. When people saw with the way that the songs flowed together, that it was all supposed to almost be like one cohesive kind of meaning delivered through disparate tracks. You know what I mean? 
So, um, yeah, you know, because yeah. on Way to Win, it has way more connective tissue that the album I'm putting out. You'll see why this was the project and the, and the album is the album, because the album just has more layers. And, and it I kind of spell it out more where on Gravity, it was more subtle. Yeah. I mean, on, uh, on Weightless, it was more subtle. So, yeah. What, what inspired the production on Weightless? Because it's a uh, it's it's almost a a, a type of production that. It has like a mellow vibe to it, but it 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 lends to the actual concept. I don't know if I'm describing it right, but I feel like it was intentional how this this production was actually put together to help convey the message of the project. I always say that uh, Clouded Slum is the exile of my blue. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's more like how Clouded Slum's production inspires me. You mm. know, he, he's just got this very jazz, rhythm and blues um, influence kind of. It's just the ideal production. Like, I remember when I first heard his shit, I was like, this is what I've been looking for. This, mm. is, this is the soundtrack to my life right here. You know, and every time he sends a batch of beats, I always hit him. This is my favorite batch of all time, you know, because it's just me and him connect on that level. You know what I mean? So um, he 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 kind of laid out the He was like, yo, I sent you a batch of beats. This is where I think we should go, you know, sound wise. And he did the same thing with the V-Day project we're working on for next year. So um, which is kind of a, a departure from from waitlist, but similar in some ways. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you know, I, I just. I like that his production allows me to have a unique kind of, uh, cause I feel like that's what exile shit. Like when you hear some exile, you, Oh yeah, that's an exile beat, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Quite sounds like it. Exile has a very distinct sound and I feel the same way about clouded slum. So yeah, it's really clouded who kind of delivered that vision of the soundscape. I, I just feel blessed, man, to be able to have, and it's not just clouded, man. It's, it's my other producers too. beat Nick D, uh, DJ player. Hayes, you know what I mean? Phonetic symbol. Um, you know, they all, I've just been blessed to, to work with these very talented people who give me the soundtrack that I need to convey my message. Dope, dope. <clears throat> on, on your latest single or track, I don't know if you're calling it a single, but it's called Propaganda. You have a, a rhyme where you say, you mix your tribal instinct with your rivals for survival instinct but all your riding on your rivals lead to tribes that's extinct. Explain yep. why you use the idea of a tribe to get your point across in this rhyme. Because this is a theory I had. It's a dope line, by I the way. I feel like in a lot of... Uh, you said what now? No, I was just saying, it's a clever, clever line, the way you put it together. But go ahead. I feel like um, a lot of our... our, our, our attraction to gang life as black Americans comes from an innate, um, almost like genetic and and deeply rooted in our, in our almost spiritual essence to be a part of a tribe. Because if we were still in Africa, especially depending on what time period you're talking about, we would be in tribes. And and let's be real. A lot of the tribes killed each other. They they had blood feuds. You know, it wasn't like every tribe in Africa was cool and it was just like, yeah, yeah, that's the other. No, it was like, fuck those dudes over there. They with that other tribe. We don't fuck with them. And if we catch them, we're going to kill them. And I feel like a lot of that Crip and Blood shit, it, it traces back to a tribe. I don't feel like it's all evil. I don't feel like, you know, a lot of gang members join the gang because, you know, they bad people. They join the gang because this is their tribe. And all of that meant something. So I feel like, you know, um, it, leads to tribes that's extinct you know but then in in the same sense it it can be traced back to but it's just a perpetual cycle of going nowhere and we and when i kill that that dude up the street i'm really killing myself you know what i mean like because Mm -hmm. once you grow out of that mentality even though it might be something that traces back to our roots of, of in africa and being a part of tribes once you grow out of the gang mentality, you realize it's just a perpetual cycle of going nowhere, man. Because mm-hmm. there's only subtle differences between the jungle stone bloods and the rolling 60 crips. I mean, yeah, they wear blue and they say blood and they say cuz, but at the end of the day, we all doing the same thing, trying to go the same place. You know what I mean? And they want their homies to survive and make it back to the hood. And they want their homies to survive and make it back to the hood. So all we're really doing is killing ourselves. You know, like literally, like I got a... Um, a song I haven't released yet where I say, kill that fool and you kill him for massa. 
You know what I mean? Like, if you go up the street, shoot your brother, you're not doing anything but helping us stay at the bottom of the food chain economically, helping us not be able to ascend the meritocracy. So, you know, it's, it's I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to see it in my lifetime, but I hope at one point we finally evolve to a point where brothers wake up and go, what are we doing? Like, it's, and I don't mean to denounce. But I understand that Crippen means something to a lot of brothers and being a blood and I, I would never try to disrespect that, but it doesn't have to mean mutually assured destruction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for breaking that down. I, I thought that the whole idea of using that tribe reference was, was, was interesting and and to get further insight into listen, Cassius King, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with me today. Any uh, last things that people should know about you? I know definitely you got that new project coming out, which I'm definitely going to be looking for. Um, but any anything else that people should expect from you in the coming future? You know, and just how, how you want them to, you know, look for you as far as you continue your career. Well, um, just just you know, stay on stay on on my radar. Keep checking for me because I, I got a project coming out later this year on the order label through uh, Self Jupiter and uh, and um, the order label is kind of a sub a sub uh, uh, label of uh, of Alpha Pup, which puts out a lot of the freestyle fellowship shit. And you know, so I'm, I'm dropping the Way to Win with them. And then next year I have another album dropping with DJ Player Hayes entitled Electric Cinema, which kind of has the African um, meets pop culture theme it's kind of an interesting record interesting. so and i'm gonna be doing more spoken word shit i like to kind of step outside of the box of hip-hop sometimes um i'm gonna start making book recommendations like right now i'm reading the autobiography of malcolm x and then after that i'll be reading uh revolutionary suicide by huey p so um you know just and and i i, I encourage people to stay politically engaged you don't have to believe in in this i get that a lot of people are like no, i ain't fucking with government i'm not i get that but the only way we really empower ourselves is to go out there and use our, 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 our vote. And if you really want to change the system, you need to participate in it, burn it down from the inside. Um, so yeah, man, just, just, just stay, stay alert, stay woke and just follow me at Cassius King, man. Help me get to 2000 followers on the gram. You know, <laughs> me and my manager just started working at Instagram like a year ago. That's why it looks like that. <laughs> Cause we was one of those like, we don't need the gram. And then we, my manager hit me one day. He's like, we need the gram. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I like, Ain't nothing with that, man. Sometimes you gotta ask, <laughs> you gotta ask for it if you want to receive it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nah, man. I'm sorry. I was one of those like I don't need social media. No, no. If you if you're making music in contemporary times, you need social media, and social media needs you. So yeah, man. And um, thank you for the opportunity to just uh, holler at me. You know, because I am a low key artist, and a lot of people, you know. So I appreciate. And then the way you really delved into my music, and I really appreciate just you taking the time to really, you know, to really um, analyze the artistry, man. It's all my pleasure, brother. Thank you again, man. So I want to definitely tell our listeners out there to continue to tune in. We put out an episode every Friday, so I try to get them up midnight. (laughs) Sometimes I'm a little bit behind, but definitely on Friday you get a new episode. You can find it on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much most places where you listen to podcasts and you can go to our website, outtheboxmedia.com. So again, Cassius King, thank you so much. I wish you all the best in your continued career. And I'm definitely going to be looking for new music and new uh, projects from you in the future. All right. On that note. All right, man. Yes. On that note, I just want to just send everyone out there. Peace, love, and light. Stay safe. Stay healthy, and we out of here. Peace. All right, peace.